1: And welcome to the Moms and Mysteries podcast, a true crime podcast featuring myself, Mandy, and my dear friend Melissa. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Mandy. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm recovering from the fall that I took a little while ago while I was wa- just <laughs> just walking, just walking, <laughs> just walking. Yeah, and then I, ha- I know I asked you before we started recording when the last time you fell as an adult was. I don't think you
0: actually answered my question, though. When is the last time you have fallen? Oh, I have it on um, ring footage because I slipped outside and, like, yelped, like, oh, walking. Because no. when you've been to my house, I'm if it's, like, been raining, I'm always like, please be careful, please be careful, because you'll just wipe out, and I busted it. I'll have to find the footage. It's
1: pretty good. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, I... I swear, like, even when I was younger, I would be – I was so clumsy. I would trip over my own two feet. My dad used to joke that I could trip, like, barefoot. Like, I would trip over my own feet just being barefoot. (laughs) But, um, yeah, so I I don't know. I was just walking. I hit, like, a little bump in the sidewalk, and I just – I don't know. And I scraped up my hands and like part of my arms. Like, I like rolled my hip. I'm like, oh
0: my gosh, like <laughs> we cannot, <laughs> we can't be doing, cannot be doing that. <laughs> no. Well, speaking of falls, I sent you a video of my son on skates for the first time. And it was like a baby giraffe on skates. <laughs> and eventually he broke his elbow at the end of it. But like I was like impressed we didn't break more bones during that. Um, during that, but it was, thankful thankful that you did not break more bones (laughs) i'm not kidding there should have every bone should have been broken but he wouldn't stop and they were like you can bring him to the kid's side over there and just kind of let him you know practice i'm like yeah he won't do that he thinks he's faster than everyone here and i've already had to convince him he can't join the race so i'm doing (laughs) as good as i can so anyway now he has a cool red cast and uh, you know it is what it is so we're we're a we're a sloppy bunch we're a we're a not very coordinated bunch, I guess. Hey, we're not
1: over here, we're not. Yeah, we're not very coordinated over here either.
0: Mandy, before we get started, I did want to mention we have a Patreon. Some people are surprised when they find out about that. And I think that's because we do a terrible job of mentioning that we have a Patreon. It's Patreon.com slash moms and mysteries podcast. There are different tiers, there's different things you can get. There's shirts, there's uh mugs, there's stickers, there's handwritten notes, but A big part of it is it comes with ad-free episodes at the $5 and up uh, level, and so you can get the episodes on Sunday nights, and you get them without the ads, and you get bonus episodes every month. We do a Patreon bonus episode. This month, we're about to record. We do it on video, so if you want to see our faces, there's your chance. If you don't, you can just listen to it on audio. Totally get it. Um, So that option's there. So it's patreon.com slash podcast.
1: Awesome. All right. So we'll get right into the story for this week. Melissa and I both agree that this is one of the craziest stories that maybe we've ever covered. Yeah. There's a, there's really a lot to it. So, although it does sound kind of crazy to think about, piracy is actually a real thing that exists in the modern world. And I'm talking about like real pirates, right? And so, pirate jokes might be funny, but real piracy. Isn't really much of a laughing matter. It's actually pretty serious. Here in the US, we're not really in a part of the world that sees a huge amount of crime at sea. You can find pirates sailing in parts of the Caribbean, but for the most part, the heavily pirate infested waters of the world are located in places such as the Arabian Sea and the Bay of Bengal. And then the waters surrounding Indonesia and Somalia are deemed extremely dangerous. According to the Maritime Bureau, piracy attacks happen by the hundreds each year, with these attacks being carried out for the cargo that the ships are carrying. Pirates will also attempt to attack cruise ships and sailboats due to the lucrative cargo that can be on board, which I never – it literally has never occurred to me that you would be at risk of a pirate attack on a cruise ship. So that's just another reason I don't want to go on a cruise now ever again.
0: (laughs) But I feel like numbers-wise, you're doing pretty good. There are so many freaking people on a cruise versus how many people are in a small boat. But still, the idea is
1: terrifying. Yeah. So smaller vessels aren't typically known for being attacked by pirates because they are obviously not caring very much, if anything, of value. But in today's story, two men named Kirby Archer and Guillermo Zarabozo claimed that they had been on board a charter boat from Miami to the Bahamas when they were attacked by
0: Cuban pirates. As Florida residents, the idea to charter a boat or to take some type of boating tour or excursion is really pretty common. People here do it all the time for different reasons. There's many ways to charter a boat. Sometimes you can get a crew to man the boat for you, or sometimes you're your own captain and you're responsible for everything yourself. In 2003, 23-year-old Jake Branham was working towards his dream of one day owning a charter business. With his long hair and golden tan, Jake was kind of the image of a Florida-based boat captain. He loved to take fishing trips where he would sail around the Caribbean, and he hoped to one day make a career out of operating a fishing charter service. At the time, Jake was living with his very wealthy grandparents in the very wealthy neighborhood of Star Island in Miami, We've definitely talked about Star Island before on the podcast. It could have been back when we did Google the City, or maybe one of our first episodes. Right? It was one of the first Sunshine yeah, Gang. Pretty or, early. But watch it be like in the first three years. But I'm in my head. I'm like probably first five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but if you needed a little refresher about Star Island, it's this man-made island in Biscayne Bay in Miami Beach, and it's famous for having numerous celebrities owning mansions and living there. I feel like Gloria Estefan lived there. I'm sure she did, actually. At one point, yeah. Yeah. So now it's kind of past its glory day, but over the years, there have been huge A-list celebrities that called Star Island home. And the other residents that are there are ultra wealthy as well, but they're not necessarily famous. In the case of Jake's grandparents, they were the founders and owners of LR Alliance Manufacturing decades earlier, which led to the family becoming very well off. And what's a 23-year-old guy to do when he lives on Star Island in Miami, other than to have a little fun? So Jake loved hitting up the local night spots and hanging out with people there. It was at one of these bars that he first met Kelly Van Laar, a woman in her early 20s who'd been living in Miami for about two years. Kelly worked at the bar as a waitress, but she would often hang out there on her off time and challenge the bar regulars to a game of pool. Jake and Kelly hit it off really immediately, and they started a relationship. And after just a few months, Kelly moved into the mansion with Jake, and in early 2004, the couple were pregnant. Their daughter was born in November of that year, and by 2006, Kelly became pregnant with their second child.
1: Jake continued working towards his dream of owning a charter business, and in late 2006, that dream finally became a reality – his grandfather gave him $220,000 to purchase and restore a 47-foot yacht to start his business with. A short time after this, Jake and Kelly got married, and then their second child, a son, was born in May of 2007. By that time, Jake had fixed up the yacht that he bought. He and his uncle Jeff and his cousin Jonathan then started up a charter fishing boat company. Jake's yacht was the first boat, which they named the Joe Cool. Joe Cool. Jake was the captain of the boat, and the company hired two employees, 35-year-old Scott Gamble and 27-year-old Samuel Carey. Scott was actually Jake's half-brother, who really was also like a best friend to him. They both grew up, and they loved the ocean, and they loved big game fishing. Samuel was Jake's friend and was also his first mate on the Joe Cool.
0: Which, can I say, Joe Cool is like the best name for a boat. The coolest. I loved it. Yeah, I did too. I love that. So a few months
1: after starting the business, the company booked its first ever trip to the Bahamas. Thirty-five-year-old Kirby Archer and Guillermo Zarabozo went to the Miami Beach Marina and asked Samuel about chartering the Joe Cool for a one-way trip to another yacht that was located off the island of Bimini in the Bahamas. So they want to ride on the Joe Cool into the Bahamas to get on another yacht. So this trip is about fifty miles east of Miami. Samuel gave the men the phone number for the company so they could call and book the trip that way, which they did later that day, and they did secure this trip. They planned to leave the next day, which was September 22, 2007. When the rest of the crew, who would be Jake and Scott, heard about this Bahamas trip, they thought that it would actually just be a really good idea to make a whole weekend out of it. They would drop their clients off in the Bahamas, and then they could stay on the boat for the night so they could fish for yellowfin tuna, and then they would return to Miami at around noon the next day. Kelly, who as we said was Jake's wife, didn't usually go on trips with Jake, but this one sounded too good to pass up, so she decided to have Jake's grandfather watch the kids so that she could go. The kids were about three years old and four months old at the time, and it was really common for Jake's grandfather to step in and babysit them. On Saturday, September 22nd, Kirby and Guillermo arrived at the marina at about 3.15 for the trip. The men had six bags with them to take on board, and Kirby took out a wad of cash and paid $4,000 for the charter. The other employees of the charter company, Jeff and Jonathan, were at the marina to see the crew off that day, but they weren't going to be sailing with them. They were just there to kind of collect the money and to help the clients with their bags and just get everybody off. So Jeff made small talk with Kirby and Guillermo while they were on the dock, and they said that their plan was to be dropped off on a yacht in the Bahamas where their girlfriends were waiting for them. Jeff, you know, was just making small talk and kind of just said, you know, hey, why – how come you're not just taking a flight to the Bahamas? It would be way cheaper than $4,000. And Kirby said he wasn't able to get a flight to the Bahamas because his girlfriend that he was going to meet actually had his passport and it was packed away. And that was one of the reasons why he even needed to get to meet her in the Bahamas in the first place was to go retrieve his passport from her. It's not so far-fetched that it would be like impossible to believe, but it's kind of like weird enough that you're like, huh, yeah, I guess that would be a predicament. You know what I mean? It's kind of one of those things where you'd be like, wow, sounds like your problem you know i'm glad that i don't have to deal with it you know kind of thing
0: (laughs) so the joe cool left the miami beach marina at around 4 30 p.m with six people on board jake who was the captain scott the mechanic samuel the first mate kelly who was along for the ride and these two clients kirby and guillermo unfortunately though this boat never made it to the bahamas nor did it return to the miami beach marina by noon the next day So as that next afternoon ticked by, Jeff was mostly just surprised that Jake and the rest of the crew hadn't returned yet because they actually had another charter planned and they needed to be getting the boat ready for that. So Jeff waited for a while, but when they still weren't back by the late afternoon, he began to worry. There were attempts made to contact Jake, but the employees in Miami got no response. So at about 4 p.m. on September 23rd, Jeff called the Coast Guard. The Coast Guard was able to track the GPS of the Joe Cool and found that it left for Miami, heading due east towards Bimini. The boat suddenly stopped in the Florida Straits, which was about halfway to their destination. So the boat stays in this location for one minute and 18 seconds before starting up again. This time it was headed south towards Cuba. They stopped at a point near Dog Rocks, which is between Cuba and Florida. And from that point on, it seemed like the boat was just drifting. So once the Coast Guard had a location on the Jokul, they set out to find it. They went to the location the GPS showed and quickly spotted the missing yacht, drifting about 50 miles off the coast of Cuba. The Coast Guard approached the boat, and when they realized it didn't appear to have any passengers on it, they boarded the vessels themselves and they began to look around. And they confirmed that no one was on this boat. And they also saw that nothing mechanical seemed to be wrong with the boat, but they did note that the boat was out of gas. And the boat was also missing its life raft. So aboard the Joe Cool, the Coast Guard found evidence that a crime had occurred. The boat was pretty much in disarray, and they found a handcuff key on the bow, splotches of blood inside and outside the cabin, and four 9mm shell casings were found on the floor. Authorities found no gun or bullets on the boat, and they noted that there was about $70,000 worth of fishing gear, electronic equipment, and credit cards that were also left behind. Additionally, they found luggage, a laptop, cameras, a cell phone, and a Florida ID card belonging to Guillermo on board. The Joe Cool was left where it was found for the time being while officials worked to find out exactly who was on board that weekend.
1: The next morning, while the Coast Guard was conducting an air search, two men were found floating on a life raft just a short distance away from where the Joe Cool had first been found. It was soon learned that the two men on that life raft were Kirby and Guillermo. The two men had a very small water supply with them and several pieces of their luggage. Inside the luggage, they found a blowgun, darts, several knives, and $2,200 in cash, plus a large amount of clothes and personal belongings. Coast Guard officials rescued the men from the life raft and brought them on board a large Coast Guard ship, where they would later be interviewed by the FBI. Meanwhile, the search for Jake, Kelly, Samuel, and Scott continued for days. Searches were conducted from the sky and on the water, as well as on the ground on dozens of the uninhabited caves around the Bahamas. Terrible weather really made the search difficult, and there was no sign of any of them found anywhere. The public affairs officers later said that they would continue to search more if anybody happened to find something that was related to the case. But basically, they're saying, you know, we've searched by air, we've searched by boat, we've searched on the ground, we've searched different, you know, islands, and yeah. there's a ton of them down there, you know, and they're saying we haven't found any signs of these four people. So they're saying, until they have something else, there's not really much else that they can continue searching at that point. And we have so much more to get into with this story, and we're going to get back into it after a quick break to hear a word from this week's sponsors. I am a sucker for a try-before-you-buy-it sort of thing. You know, like the try-it-for-free-for-30-days promos, which happens to be just enough time for me to forget about it and end up paying for it for months past the time I've used it. Lucky for me, and for you, Rocket Money is here to save the day with just a few taps.
0: Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill, is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. And you aren't alone with these excess subscriptions. In fact, over 80% of people have subscriptions that they absolutely forgot about. This month while I was on the Rocket Money app, Rocket Money alerted me to a newspaper subscription I had forgotten about. Literally, I don't even remember signing up for it, but apparently I did it like four months ago. I clicked in the app that I wanted them to cancel it, and it wasn't long before I got a message saying they were successful in canceling it, saving me $5 a month, which adds up quickly. But one thing I really love with Rocket Money is that I can see my spending and compare it from month to month and even see categories of how I'm spending my money, which is a real eye-opener that I'm thankful for. Stop throwing your
1: money away. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com/moms. That's rocketmoney.com/moms. rocketmoney.com/moms.
0: If you're tired of feeling like a sleep-deprived zombie, it's time to upgrade your bedding game and let Blissy pillowcases work their silky smooth magic on your face. As an adult, I totally get how important a good night's sleep is, and my Blissy pillowcase helps me achieve just that. Blissey's award-winning 100% mulberry silk pillowcases are basically angels.
1: You know that feeling of sleeping on the cool side of the pillow? That's what you'll get with Blissey every single time. Gone are the days of flipping your pillow to find the cold spot because it's always there. I absolutely love my Blissey pillowcase. And Melissa, call me crazy, but isn't this like the most
0: perfect gift for someone? You're totally right, Mandy. They make amazing gifts, so much so that I went ahead and ordered pillowcases to give as gifts. Not only do they have a ton of colors and patterns, but they're machine washable and hypoallergenic. And when you buy them as a gift, they come in their own gift-ready packaging. I can't wait to start giving them out.
1: Everybody loves them. They have a ton of different prints and colors, and they make great gifts because there's an option for literally anyone. Men love them too. They have over 1 million raving fans, and you could be next. Next. Try now, risk-free, for 60 nights at blissy.com slash mysteries and get an additional 30% off. That's B-L-I-S-S-Y dot com slash mysteries and use code mysteries to get an additional 30% off. Your skin and hair will thank you.
0: And now back to the episode. So before the break, we're talking about this yacht, Joe Cool, how it's supposed to be going to the Bahamas it never makes it back to Miami, and now the Coast Guard are involved. They found this yacht, but no one's on board. So after the Coast Guard found the Joe Cool, they called in the FBI's Maritime Seaport Squad, who took the lead in the investigation based on federal laws regarding crimes on the high seas, which always fascinates me. Like They talk about on, on cruise ships, like the country that's in charge of anything going wrong is the country the ship was made in or something like that. Like what? basically maritime laws are kind of crazy and it really does like depend on like the ship of origin and stuff. It's it's kind wow. of fascinating. Yeah. So these special agents knew they had to act fast and to get the Joe cool out of the water ASAP. It's just floating out in the ocean at this point. It's exposed to the elements and they need to get there right away to preserve everything. So, agents boarded a jet to the Florida Keys and then they hopped on a helicopter to a large Coast Guard boat. And from there, they took a faster boat to where the Joe Cool was. They worked very quickly to preserve any evidence that was on the boat. So, special agents then interviewed Guillermo and Kirby, who both told a similar story. They chartered a boat to Bimini, and on the way there, they were attacked by three armed Cuban pirates who came aboard the Joe Cool and allegedly shot Jake immediately. The men said these pirates then shot Kelly next because she was hysterical. The pirates then allegedly ordered Scott and Samuel to throw Jake and Kelly's bodies into the water, and when they refused, the pirates shot and killed them too. Garrow said that the pirates then told him to throw the bodies overboard, and he complied with the hopes that his life would be spared. Guillermo and Kirby said they then cleaned the boats after the bodies were in the water, and then the pirates left their own boat behind and commandeered the Joe Cool, sailing it south until they ran out of gas. At that point, the men claimed that a third boat showed up to pick up the pirates and then they took off, leaving Guillermo and Kirby alive but stranded at sea with their belongings.
1: So although the two men had very similar accounts about what happened, they did give conflicting details about the pirates, such as how they were dressed, as well as how and where exactly the shootings happened. They also said things about what happened after the victims were shot that were conflicting. So Guillermo said that Jake was still alive when he was thrown overboard, while Kirby said that it was actually Kelly who was still alive, not Jake. While agents interviewed Guillermo, the Coast Guard boat started towing the Joe Cool back to Miami. So while they're towing the boat away, the agents pointed to it and they asked Guillermo if he recognized the boat and he said no. He told him at this point he was never on the Joe cool. But He had literally just told them that he was on the boat when it was hijacked by pirates. Like they literally, he just told them this whole story and they already found his ID on board. So it didn't make a lot of sense why he would even try to lie and say that he wasn't ever on the boat. So the agents thought maybe he misunderstood the question or didn't know what they were asking him. And they asked him a second time if he recognized the Joe cool. And again, he said he did not recognize it. And As strange as that already was, this wasn't even the last time that Guillermo would change his story. When Kirby was interviewed, he was asked why they would be taking a boat to the Bahamas instead of flying. And Kirby told him right up front that it actually was because he had a warrant out for his arrest. And that's why he couldn't fly. So remember, they told the workers at the marina that it was because his passport was with his girlfriend and he had to go collect it and that's why he couldn't fly right well now that the coast guard officials have picked them up he's saying yeah i couldn't fly because i have a warrant out for my arrest so i can't get on a plane so of course when the investigators learn about this they immediately want to dig deeper into the background of these two men and their investigation would turn up some pretty big red flags kirby had a very checkered past In 1993, when Kirby was 22, he joined the Army after being convicted of contributing to the delinquency of a minor, and this was a charge that stemmed from keeping his 15-year-old girlfriend out past curfew. Kirby actually served as a military police investigator at the U.S. base at Guantanamo Bay in Cuba for a period of time. But then in 2003, he went AWOL, resulting in an other-than-honorable discharge. Kirby said that he just wanted to get out of the military and going AWOL was the fastest way to do that. So that's why he, he just wow. left. Yeah. So he ended up settling in Arkansas with a second wife and their two kids. But eventually, he and his wife divorced. The divorce was very contentious due to Kirby's wife accusing him of having sex with his own niece and being the father of her child. Kirby, of course, denied having sex with her, but he did admit that he was listed on the baby's birth certificate, which...
0: What? What? I- yeah. Why? Hmm, okay. I, there's, nope, I don't have any, I can't come no, up with any there's words. there's nothing. No, That's it. Yep. Doesn't make any sense. So at some point after this divorce, Kirby became the focus of a child molestation investigation. We're not sure if this is actually related to those accusations about his niece or if it was something else, but it was serious enough that Kirby was banned from even seeing his own two children without supervision. Around the same time, Kirby found love once again, and he married his third wife. And so in January of 2007, which was eight or nine months before he chartered the Joe Cool, Kirby got into even more trouble. He went off to work as an assistant manager at Walmart in Arkansas on January 26th, and then at the end of his shift, he collected cash and checks from various registers, which were part of his job duties. And then he took these checks and cash worth more than $92,000 to a back room at the store. Next, he put those money and checks inside of a microwave and then put the microwave back in the box and resealed it. That's when he takes the microwave to the checkout counter, uses his employee discount to pay for it, and then he leaves Walmart and he's on the run.
1: (laughs) I don't know why, like to me, I mean, it's not the worst idea, I guess. It's not the worst idea. It's not the worst idea. But it's so funny that he went through all that and then used his employee discount to pay for the microwave. Like that part of the story just made me like giggle for sure. Like what in the world?
0: (laughs) I mean, the only thing I can think is maybe he thought it'd be less suspicious if he used it. Because (laughs) it would be weird if he was like, no, no, I'm good paying full (laughs) price for this. (laughs) See you guys tomorrow. Um, Yeah, that's just a wild, I don't know, that, that takes some thought, I guess. So Walmart, though, immediately reports this heist and a warrant was issued for Kirby's arrest on a felony charge of property theft. So when the Coast Guard rescued him off this life raft, he was still on the run from the Arkansas police. So about an hour after he had fled that Walmart, he was actually stopped about 90 miles away because he had a headlight out on his car. The officer then gave him a citation, sent him on his way, totally unaware that Kirby was wanted by state authorities. So Kirby ends up settling in the Miami area, and in March or April of 2007, he meets Guillermo, a 19-year-old who we had mutual connections with. As for Guillermo, he was just a typical 19-year-old kid, really trying to make something for himself. His family moved into the U.S. from Cuba after winning a visa lottery in 1999 and then settling in Hialeah, Florida. Guillermo didn't drink or use drugs, had never been in trouble with the law, and was known for being very well-behaved, sociable, and respectful. Guillermo was obsessed with security, and he wanted to become a police officer badly. At the time he met Kirby, he was living with his parents in Hialeah and working as a security guard at Miami Beach nightclubs. He applied to become a Miami-Dade police officer very shortly before boarding the charter boat with Kirby in September of 2007.
1: After the investigators learned more about who Kirby and Guillermo were, they came up with a theory. And it was that the two men had never actually intended to go to the Bahamas at all. They were ultimately trying to get to Cuba the entire time. Investigators thought the men had a really good reason for wanting to go there, too. For Guillermo, that's where he was born. And for Kirby, if he could get into Cuba, he would be safe from the American authorities that were seeking him, and he would escape prosecution because Cuba doesn't have any extradition treaty with the United States. Additionally, Kirby would really have not much of a hard time making it in Cuba because he had previously served as a military police officer at Guantanamo Bay, and he spoke Spanish, so he would be able to kind of fit right in. So it was theorized that Kirby and Guillermo killed all four of the crew members and then hijacked the boat and tried to make it to Cuba, but they ran out of gas and had to bail on the life raft instead. There was actually a lot of evidence to support that theory. While piracy is a real thing that happens in the modern age, as we said before, there were no reports of pirates in the Caribbean at this time. Not to mention, there were several thousands of dollars worth of equipment plus credit cards that were still left on board, and a pirate definitely would have taken all of that. There was also no evidence that pirates had ever been on the boat. There were no scratches or marks on the boat's hull that would typically be left by a boarding vessel. There were no radio transmissions or maydays about a hijacking that came from the Joe Cool, and that was strange because Joe Cool actually was equipped with a distress button on the VHF radio, and it would send the Coast
0: Guard the boat's position when it was pressed, but that button was never pressed. And if you think of like a pirate ship coming, you're going to see them for a bit that something's right. coming towards you. And so I, it doesn't seem crazy that you would have enough time to alert somebody. Definitely. you got a few minutes.
1: Yeah. So Guillermo and Kirby had told the investigators that the shootings happened on the exterior deck of the boat. But the evidence pointed to something else. There was actually blood and three of the four shell casings found inside the boat in the main cabin. The men also said that the pirates shot each victim with different guns, but all the shell casings found were clearly from the same gun. So the investigators never could find any of these alleged girlfriends that these two men would have been going to meet up with in Bimini either. Despite all of this, the investigators felt like they still just didn't really have enough to charge Kirby and Guillermo with four counts of murder. So instead, they charged Guillermo with a federal count of making false statements, and that was for the time that he strangely lied about never being on the boat, even though they had found his ID and they knew that he was on it. And then they charged Kirby with a federal count of unlawful flight to avoid prosecution and a theft case. These charges, while not murder charges, would still give the investigators a little bit of time to continue working on building a murder case. Later, results from a ballistics test confirmed that the four shell casings came from a 9mm Glock handgun, and it was soon found out that Guillermo actually owned a 9mm Glock, and when his house was searched, the investigators found a receipt for the purchase of a 9mm Glock magazine, as well as four boxes of 9mm bullets, similar to those that were found on the boat. The receipt showed that these items were purchased just a few days before the hijacking and the four spent shell casings from the boat were all eventually matched to the ammo that Guillermo had actually purchased. They were able to say like, yes, they definitely came out of this box that we found in his house.
0: So as we said before, Guillermo was just 19 years old, had never been in trouble in any way and was even known for being this upstanding person in the community who was aspiring to be a police officer. So you might be asking yourself how on earth he got mixed up with this 35-year-old wanted felon named Kirby. While investigators were able to track down this mutual acquaintance between the two men, it was a 27-year-old man named Carlos who ran a chop shop in Miami. So Carlos actually agreed to testify against Guillermo and Kirby because he knew both men and had been the one to introduce them. Carlos said that Guillermo often hung out at Carlos's shop, and Guillermo loved fast cars, so being in that shop environment was really right up his alley. So Carlos met Kirby through a mutual friend who actually met Kirby while serving time at Guantanamo Bay in the mid-90s. So this friend of Carlos's met Kirby while Kirby was working at Guantanamo Bay, but Carlos's friend was serving time there. Right, Got it. So Kirby never mentioned being on the run from Arkansas authorities to anyone. He said he worked in high security. Sometimes he even said he worked with the CIA and that he had connections in high places with the government and with rich people. So Carlos knew that Guillermo was also very interested in security and he wanted to become a police officer. So he thought that Kirby would be this good connection for Guillermo and he introduced them sometime in March or April of 2007. And then Guillermo and Kirby became inseparable friends, which is crazy to think about when you have somebody who's like lived a lot of life not all good
1: I know well it is and And I'm in yeah I mean I'm in my mid-30s and I feel like there's no way I could ever befriend a 19 year old because that's they're way closer to my child's age than they are to mine so it's
0: kind of like to be buddy buddy
1: yeah not to be I mean only maybe as like a, a mentor or something like you said but not to be like best friends with a 19 year old I just don't I feel like that's a little bit inappropriate
0: yeah I don't know So at some point, Kirby started talking to Guillermo about this big job that they'd be able to do in Cuba, and this job would make them both rich. Specifically, he said Guillermo could make as much as a million dollars, which he claimed was enough money to retire on a yacht in Miami Beach. For a day. Miami is so expensive. (laughs) One million dollars is
1: not enough to live for the rest
0: of your life in Miami, that's for sure. No. So Kirby said that all they really had to do was come up with a way to get to Cuba first. And so they decided they would need a boat. So Kirby and Guillermo came up with this plan to sneak into a local marina and steal a 60 to 70 foot boat that would be able to handle the heavy seas, but also go relatively fast. So their plan was to stop in the Bahamas, fill up the gas tank, and then head to Cuba from there. They thought they would likely need a third man to help steal a boat. So they asked this friend Carlos if he wanted in and Carlos said, sure. So the three men then start scoping out local marinas, but they struggle to find the perfect boat to steal. According to Carlos, a few days before Kirby and Guillermo had arranged this charter on the Joe Cool, Guillermo called him and made arrangements for Kirby to buy a gun, illegally obviously, and Kirby told Carlos they were, quote, switching to plan B. It's not clear whether or not Carlos knew that plan B was actually to charter a boat and then hijack it. But Carlos said that once the two men had set sail on the Joe Cool, Kirby sent him, meaning Carlos, this text that said, quote, we've left. Please pick up my car, end quote. The next morning, Carlos goes to pick up Kirby's car and found that it had been ticketed. It was also learned that Guillermo had used a fake name to buy a cell phone, which he used to call these charter boat companies. Guillermo also apparently made attempts at cutting ties with his friends and family before he left for Cuba,
1: So I guess what they're trying to say is that Guillermo was clearly planning to go to Cuba and not return to the U.S. Is that what they were saying? Like, why would he try and cut ties with his family and friends?
0: Which doesn't make any sense after he's, like, thinking he's going to become a police officer in Miami. Like, he's literally just applied. He's probably waiting for his response. And he's like, deuces, I'm out of here. That doesn't make any sense. Right. So – Believe it or not, we still have so much more to get into this story after one last break to hear word from this week's sponsors. Mandy, you and I both wear our hair up a lot. For me, I do it out of pure laziness, but also because of this Florida weather. And because of this, my hair suffers a lot of damage from breaking, thanks to things like hair ties on top of already having this really thin hair. Pros knows that one size fits all doesn't work for hair care or bathing suits. And thanks to my personalized pros routine, I've never been more in love with my hair.
1: And how do you get your personalized hair care products, you ask? Well, to start with, you do what I did and take the pros online hair quiz. It's so thorough, covering everything from my zip code to my diet and activity level. Because all these factors are important in determining what my hair actually needs, and a customized shampoo and conditioner helps me to achieve my hair goals.
0: My pros has ingredients like apple cider to give my hair shine and biotin to add strength, both of which my hair has been lacking. And it's nice to wash my hair and it actually look clean and not oily, which is a huge improvement I've seen with pros. Not only is my hair beginning to look shiny and soft, but it also feels better. I chose the Oasis fragrance as part of my custom shampoo, but you can choose another yummy scent or you can choose to have none at all.
1: Say goodbye to bad hair days and hello to pros, the magical potion that turns your luscious locks into a work of art by using nature's finest ingredients that have passed the test of time. Pros creates a personalized hair care routine that's tailored just for you. From shampoos to supplements, it's like having a personal hair wizard right in your bathroom.
0: Pros is the key to achieving all your hair goals this year. Take your free in-depth hair consultation and get 15% off your first order today. Go to pros.com slash moms. That's pros dot slash moms for your free in-depth hair consultation and 15% off. I listen to a lot of podcasts, but one of my absolute favorites is cold. The first season of Cold was about the tragic disappearance of Susan Powell and the absolute nightmare her friends and family have lived in since then. The podcast host, Dave Colley is really incredible, and he shows such compassion and is really just an incredible journalist. And now, Cold is back with season three about the search for Cherie Warren.
1: Cherie Warren was a young mother seeking a fresh start. She had just gone through a divorce, moved, began a new job, and even began a new relationship. Things were really looking up for Cherie until one October evening after work when she bid farewell to her co-workers, stepped out of the office, and vanished without a trace.
0: All eyes immediately focused on Cherie's estranged husband, who had a record of violent behavior, including beating a woman with a tire iron. However, investigators also took a keen interest in Cherie's new boyfriend, a former reserve police officer with a history of sexual violence. As season three of the popular true crime podcast, Cold, delves into Cherie's case, The question lingers, did one of these two men that were the closest to her kill her?
1: Follow Cold wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Prime members, you can binge the entire series ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.
0: Hey moms, we want to tell you about another podcast we're loving. Andy and Sabrina have been best friends for 20 years and pop culture aficionados for even longer. On their new podcast, Pop Culture Moms, these moms of toddlers are taking their obsession with TV and movies to the next level by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of pop culture about what they can learn from the fictional moms they love most. Together, Andy and Sabrina will explore the comedy and tragedy of what parenthood
1: is like in real life. You'll hear from Misty Copeland on Stage Moms, author Celeste Ng on Family Secrets, Euphoria Actress, Alana Ubach on Trust Between Parents and Their Children, and more. Listen to Pop Culture Moms wherever you get podcasts.
0: And now back to the episode.
1: So before the break, we had kind of gotten into a little bit about how Kirby and Guillermo first got linked up with each other. As we said, there was a bit of an age difference and a maturity difference for sure between the two of them. So they were introduced by a mutual friend and it kind of was just one of those weird things. They actually introduced Guillermo to Kirby thinking they would be friends because Guillermo wanted to be a police officer and was really into security and Kirby was allegedly this worked in high security, was a CIA agent and all this fancy, all these things that made Guillermo think that he would be, I guess, somebody good to look up to. So that's how they became really good friends. So on October 10th, federal prosecutors charged Guillermo and Kirby with four counts of murder. They would later be charged with robbery, kidnapping, and several counts of maritime violations, including seizing a ship and causing a death with a firearm. And for these charges, both of the men would face the death penalty. At some point after they were arrested, police learned that Guillermo had allegedly confessed about this crime to another inmate. The informant said that Guillermo told him about what happened on the Joe Cool that day. Guillermo said that Kirby first told Jake that he wanted to redirect the boat to Cuba, but when Jake refused to do that, an argument ensued. Kirby then reached into Guillermo's back and retrieved Guillermo's 9mm Glock, raised it, and shot Jake. Then Kirby shot the other three victims. Guillermo then says that, you know, he's freaked out. He is realizing that these four people had been shot with his gun. So he just agreed to help Kirby throw their bodies overboard because he was scared and he knew that this was a very bad situation that was unfolding. In May of 2008, Guillermo's lawyers filed a statement with the court in which Guillermo formally declared all of these things. He said that he honestly thought they were taking the Joe Cool to Bimini for private security work and that he was going to then accompany Kirby to Cuba afterwards for a CIA mission. I mean, sure, because CIA agents are always just taking 19 year old civilians on official CIA missions. Like, it doesn't make any sense. So Guillermo's defense said that he actually had passed two lie detector tests in which he stated that he did not participate in the murders, but the prosecution fought to not have these polygraph results even allowed in the trial because they said polygraphs aren't reliable and they could potentially have too much influence over the jurors. I actually agree with this. I don't think polygraphs are um, a a great tool to have in court. It's been proven time and time again that they are absolutely not um, infallible and maybe not even accurate. So... The judge in this case ruled that the polygraphs would not be allowed.
0: In July, Kirby made a surprise move and decided to confess to investigators, confirming their theory about what happened on the boat that day. He said he planned to sneak into Cuba to avoid prosecution for the theft and molestation charges, and that after meeting Guillermo, he managed to recruit him to help him get into Cuba. He said at first that Guillermo did not know that he was a fugitive, but he went on to tell him later on. So the original plan was to steal a boat, go to Bimini to refuel, and then head to Cuba. Kirby said that he bought a 38 caliber pistol and Guillermo already had this 9mm gun. When the men were unable to find the right boat to steal, they decided to charter a boat and hijack it, leaving the crew stranded on an island somewhere along the way. Ultimately, they decided to charter the Joe Cool and gave the cover story about going to the Bahamas to meet up with some girls there. Kirby said they were not expecting there to be four people on board with them. They expected a crew of two men, not four, but they decided to stick to the plan of dropping them all off on an island and going to Cuba. However, once they were in eyeshot of Bemini, Kirby claimed he noticed that Jake was acting strangely. Those were his words. So Kirby grabbed their guns and told Guillermo to wait for his signal, but Guillermo didn't wait. He shot Scott and Samuel in the cockpit. Because Guillermo shot the first two victims, Kirby then shot Jake and Kelly, who were on the flybridge. They then dumped the bodies and guns overboard and headed towards Cuba, but the boat ran out of gas so they had no choice but to get in the life raft and hope a Cuban border guard would stumble upon them and take them to Cuba. But again, that's not how it went. Kirby said that he and Guillermo came up with this pirate story while they're on this raft together. And so on July 24th, Kirby pleaded guilty to four counts of first-degree murder and one count of conspiracy to commit violence against maritime navigation. All other charges were dropped and he was spared the death penalty. He would be sentenced after Guillermo's trial.
1: Guillermo went to trial in the fall of 2008. Prosecutors argued that Guillermo and Kirby planned the hijacking of the boat in advance and that Guillermo was a willing participant in making those plans. They also said that he told Carlos about the plan and helped Kirby obtain an illegal gun as well as helped him look for a boat to steal. Guillermo also brought his own gun and ammunition on board all on his own accord. They said Guillermo knew exactly what he was getting himself into when he stepped onto the Joe Cool that day and he wasn't just some innocent bystander that was totally unaware of what was about to happen. Prosecutors said the hijacking didn't go as planned, and things got out of hand, and the men shot Jake, Kelly, Scott, and Samuel and then threw their bodies into the ocean. Kirby did not testify at Guillermo's trial. The defense said that Guillermo had no idea Kirby was planning to hijack the boat and kill everyone on board, and that he had nothing to do with it himself. They painted him as this gullible, naive young guy who was being heavily influenced by his much older accomplice. They said that Guillermo was tricked by Kirby's claim to work in high security because, as we said, that was Guillermo's dream job, so he easily fell into Kirby's trap. The defense went so far as to say that Guillermo himself was actually just as much of a hijacking victim as the others, and they pointed at Kirby as being the man that was really responsible for everything – Guillermo testified for his own defense and said he had no idea that Kirby was on the run from the police, and he said that he was not aware that Kirby planned to hijack the boat. He said that he was actually in the bathroom on board when he first heard the shots fired and he heard this commotion going on, and then when he went to see what happened, he saw Kirby holding his, as in Guillermo's, gun, and he claimed that Kirby held him at gunpoint and forced him to throw the bodies overboard and then help clean up the blood. Kirby then started up the boat to flee, but they soon ran out of gas. So, Guillermo told him that he wanted to stay on the Joe Cool with his luggage until help arrived. But Kirby threw the luggage onto the lifeboat and told Guillermo to get on it. Once on the lifeboat, Kirby started going over their story. Guillermo stuck to the story because he said he was scared of Kirby. He admitted that he did bring his gun on board the boat, but not with the intent to use it. He brought it along because he thought he would need it for the security work they were going to be doing. On cross-examination, prosecutors asked Guillermo why it didn't make him suspicious that Kirby didn't have any ID and didn't have any credit cards. They asked why he never questioned Kirby's story about meeting the girls on the yacht in Bimini, because if they were truly going to work security, why would there be any reason to tell that lie in the first place? And Guillermo said, you know... He just didn't think anything of these things at the time.
0: During closing arguments, the prosecution said that Guillermo made up all of his testimony and that the murders of the four victims were a joint effort. They pointed out that it only took them one minute and 28 seconds to kill all four people, throw their bodies into the water, and continue on to Cuba, which would not be possible for one person to do alone. I feel like that's the biggest piece of evidence they have really that short amount of time. There's no arguing between the two men. There's just not time to do anything. They've got a plan and they are going for it. That's like such a small amount of time. After hearing all this evidence, the jury deliberated for four days before finding Guillermo guilty on four counts of causing death through the use of a firearm. They were deadlocked on the other charges, including the murder charges. The partial verdict was inconsistent because how would Guillermo be convicted of causing death with a firearm but not of committing murder? The judge said it was possible that the jury incorrectly concluded that Guillermo was guilty of the gun charges just because his gun was used in the murders. It was obvious that the jury was confused by the charges and their jury instruction, so after mulling it over, the judge decided to declare a mistrial on all counts, and so Guillermo would be retried the following year. On October 14th, Kirby was sentenced to five consecutive life terms. He said, quote, I deserve to sit in jail for the rest of my life. I deserve the death penalty, no question, end quote. On February 9th, 2009, Guillermo went to trial again for all 16 charges. So this trial was pretty similar to the first one, but this time prosecutors had some new, even more damning evidence against him, and that was the files they found on his computer. Investigators had searched through his computer and found several emails, chat room messages, and other correspondence between Guillermo and his friends in which he talked about planning a trip to Cuba for a CIA mission and how he might just show up on the news reports as a missing person, but he never mentioned a trip to Bimini to anyone. Guillermo also searched the terms Cuba hundreds of times, but only one search for Bimini. Additionally, Guillermo checked with his phone provider to see if he would get service in Cuba. Prosecutors said that these things proved that Guillermo did know about the trip to Cuba, and he wasn't duped into this hijacking at all. Just like in the first trial, Guillermo's defense was that he had no idea what was going to happen and that he was in the bathroom when these shootings occurred. In closing, prosecutors asked the jury to think about why Kirby would have left Guillermo alive if he wasn't involved in the hijacking scheme. He could have just as easily killed Guillermo too, but he didn't because as prosecutors say, Guillermo was his partner and not his victim, which to me was like a light bulb that like made total sense because I just didn't know where I fell in this story to be quite honest. Like I did think that Guillermo was probably manipulated quite a bit, but by the time we got to this point, I was like, oh, Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's definitely his partner. So on February 19th, the jury found Guillermo guilty on all charges. On May 6th, he was sentenced to five consecutive life sentences, plus 85 years. The judge said he believed Guillermo's testimony at trial was a total fabrication. Since then, all of Guillermo's attempts to appeal have been unsuccessful. As of today, Kirby is serving his time in a Pennsylvania prison, while Guillermo is serving his time in Florida, and both men will be in prison for the rest of their lives. As of this recording, the bodies of Jake, Kelly, Samuel, and Scott have never been found. And neither was the gun that the four shell casings on board came from.
1: Man, this story is just – it really just is shocking. I feel like especially being from Florida and just hearing about – like you said, like you hear about people that take boats out, they charter boats out, or they do things like this all all the time. time. And to think that you really are out there with complete strangers. You don't know their intentions. Like you have no idea – But just like you, it would never cross your mind that you were going to be taking these two clients and their plan was to like hijack your boat and drive it, you know, to another country. Like who would ever think that's what was going to happen? But just thinking about Jake and Kelly and of course Samuel and Scott as well, but really just thinking about Jake and Kelly and their two young kids at home, you know, that they left behind their babies, a three month old. And it's like those babies you know their they they won't remember their parents you know it's just so that part is just really sad and and like and for what to to shoot four people like that's just so tragic and like you said like with Guillermo I almost was convinced that he was also just manipulated and maybe there was Mm -hmm. a little bit to that but like it is shocking that he was he never was in trouble with the law he never got in trouble you know even his parents said he always had you know he was upstanding and everybody liked him and was always positive and outgoing and friendly and he wanted to work in security himself but it's like what what are you doing man like how did how did you get from there to being willing to board a boat with a gun and you're gonna hijack it and like that's not something a police officer should be doing sir so it's like why did you even agree to do any of this like right and throw your whole life away you know and now you're in prison for the rest of your life and four people lost their lives and it's
0: just so senseless. Absolutely. That's I think I made a note on there that I feel like the prosecution did a great job in this case, because I was very much feeling like Guillermo may have been manipulated. And like you were saying, he probably was to a degree, but like he definitely made decisions and having that, having that time so specific, um, I think a minute and 28 seconds like that is just not a lot of time to to do all of this and so it does make sense that you'd have to have two people and that he Guillermo was alive because he's the only witness why on earth would Kirby keep him alive if he didn't know this plan
1: all right Melissa so are we ready to move on to last thing before we go I think we have a new thing we're gonna try this week which I always love trying new things because Mm.
0: we never know how it's gonna go (laughs) (laughs) me too um so someone on uh TikTok um tagged us in this video. And so we're on TikTok, by the way, Moms and Mysteries Podcast. Um, Follow us there. And this game is basically you're going on a trip and you are going to bring some items. There's a rule that your items have to follow. So Mandy has a rule. Um, The example they gave on this TikTok was like something starts with the letter B. So say um, I say, Mandy, you're going on a trip. What are you going to bring? And Mandy says she's going to bring A banana I'd say yes you can bring a banana but if the next thing she said was a chair I'd say no but if she then says something else with a b like a butcher block why would you bring that (laughs) I don't know but I would say yes and then she her idea her goal is to figure out what the rule is that I've made does that make sense makes sense to me okay well (laughs) we'll see if it makes sense to other people so do you want to be the guesser first or do you want to be the rule person first
1: um I'll be the guesser first
0: Okay, let me see. All right, I've got mine. Mandy, you're going on a trip. What do you want to bring? Blankets. Sorry, you can't bring blankets. Corn nuts. Absolutely not. (laughs) Actually, no. Hold on. I think you can. You think I can.
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Pringles.
0: Man, this is getting in the weeds because I'm just not sure. (laughs) No-ish. No, No, I'm going to say no for corn nuts and, and no for Pringles. Okay, so no so
1: I need to get off that entire train of thought. Okay.
0: (laughs) Okay. It's not terrible, but it's there's something to it. Okay. Diet Coke. No, you cannot bring that. Man. I know. I feel like it's so
1: open ended. I'm like, I could just keep guessing random things forever. (laughs) Keep guessing
0: random random things. Yes. Keep your you're in the same you're in the right ballpark is ish okay chicken like a live chicken can I bring a live, a live chicken? chicken I think you can yeah yeah Ugh. I think I've <laughs> screwed this up
1: okay um oh gosh
0: okay now I'm thinking about animals get off of the animals
1: okay I don't know can I don't you know say banana can...
0: guess banana <laughs> okay banana you can bring a banana okay cool apples not really, but you can bring a squash. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that doesn't have anything to do with it. I'm just trying to help you. Oh, um,
1: I don't. do bananas,
0: know. squash.
1: Okay, okay. Wait, I see. I, maybe I see where we're going. Okay, let's see. Okay, um, I don't know. Avocado.
0: Mother, no, no. <laughs> Marshmallow, no.
1: So the rule is not squishy.
0: It's not squishy. What? A squash is squishy. I don't know. Maybe when it's cooked. Okay, maybe. Um, You could bring um, barbecue sauce. What? (laughs) So you can bring barbecue squash. Oh, no, you can't. No, you can't. I got it wrong. (laughs) So far, you can bring a banana and squash. And hold on. Let me think. You could bring a lemon. Okay. Okay. Can I also bring... (laughs) This is not how this game was supposed to go. I'm so sorry.
1: I don't know. Is the rule about being yellow?
0: Yes, it's foods that are yellow. But corn nuts foods are confusing. That are
1: okay, I see why corn nuts confused
0: you. And Pringles, because they're like a off, I just no, didn't know. And then yellow. a chicken out of nowhere. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. It was confusing. There's also not that many yellow foods. Well, I said barbecue sauce because all of a sudden in my head, I remember that Sonny's barbecue sauce has a yellow top and then. I don't know what. <laughs> well, you could have like Carolina gold sauce. Okay, Mandy. Mm. N- nobody's guessing Carolina gold <laughs> sauce. <laughs> if you guessed that and you didn't get it, man, that'd be a problem. Okay, what do you got?
1: Okay. Oh, I'm well, starting to guess, right? Yeah, okay, so you have to be the guesser.
0: Okay, going on a trip, and I am going to bring a chair. No, you cannot do that. I am going to bring an apple sure that
1: that oh, no. works that flies okay. that'll go right. we'll see if we All can right. get you there without starting with apple
0: i'm gonna bring an avocado i'm sorry but no i'm not sorry i don't want that um i'm gonna bring um i'm gonna bring steak <laughs> it's definitely not, not steak go. definitely not steak okay apple i'm gonna bring uh, strawberries
1: okay sure that works Hold on. I think it works a little bit less than apples, but it still works. Wait, less than apples?
0: Mm-hmm. I'm going to bring green beans. No. No green beans. Dang green it, okay. beans is so a step too green. far. <laughs> step too far. Okay. I'm going to bring, oh my gosh. Um. Oh, wait. Um. I'm going to bring berries, like raspberries. Yes, you can bring raspberries. Is it words with double letters? No,
1: it's not words Dang with double it.
0: letters. it. Apple has it, strawberries, and raspberries. So I was on to something, but I was wrong. That actually
1: would be a really good rule, though, for this game. But no, that is not what it is.
0: It would have been. Okay. All right. Um, could I bring... So I can or can't bring raspberries? I can. You can. Can I bring... What else has seeds in it? Um, it's not seeds. Don't think about okay. seeds. Oh, gosh. Um, can I bring a banana?
1: Yes, you absolutely can.
0: Um, can I bring... Uh, oh, my gosh, Mandy. Can I bring um a cantaloupe? Mm, yeah, yes. I don't want to, but I will. Can I bring a watermelon?
1: You can, but I feel like we're getting too off track and you're thinking everything is going to be a fruit. I'm thinking and fruit. And you need to think of things.
0: Can I bring a knife? You cannot bring a knife. <laughs> can I bring uh, a tent? i mean you don't
1: need a tent for this trip
0: (laughs) okay um can i okay you i started giving you some you can't bring that but you can bring this and meanwhile i have a page of psycho words that don't make any sense what does fruit
1: what do fruits have that vegetables don't have that makes people like them
0: is this carbohydrates no but yes also
1: that's sugar (laughs) <laughs> well, there. Sweet. Now you just guessed the rule. Juice. Juice.
0: <laughs> Is it foods with sh- juice or sugar? It was sugar? things that are sugary. I was hoping I in a million years, I would not have guessed that off of fruits. I don't count that as sugar in my house. It's not oh, sugar. Wow. I guess that is
1: unfortunate for me. Um, I thought that I could get you off of that with apples because apples are sweet. And so I thought then I could at least get you to leap from there. But then you just started naming fruit. And I'm like, yeah, OK. But like, what about what about <laughs> other things that are sweet?
0: <laughs> Dear God, Melissa, get off this. Um, OK, well, I think I technically want it because I did put another rule in there words with double letters so i'm gonna let that myself... was a
1: good one that was actually good that was really um observant i felt like and a genius there that. for a second yeah, yeah. well and I then it was. Didn't... and who knew sure. that so many fruits had double letters
0: i know well that mm-hmm. was another fun game I'm impressed. um i think it worked out that was fun <laughs> okay. we'll have to do we'll we'll bring it again another time we'll have to think of some more rules awesome well Melissa, I think that was it for this week. (laughs) That was it. Make sure you check out our website, momsandmysteries.com. Also, if you're an Apple Podcast subscriber, there is a subscribe button if you want to do the Apple Plus, I think is what it's called, and same idea as Patreon, but you can get your episodes on Sundays, ad-free. Um, a few days earlier than everyone else. Um, If you want to do that, that is also an option. It does not mean you have to have that on Apple. You can still always listen to us for free, but that is just an option.
1: Yes. And can I just say, I'm so sorry that it is annoying to look at those subscription episodes. Somebody gave us a review recently and they said they it just annoys them to see those subscription episodes.
0: I there. get it. I wish that Apple would organize it differently, but I try to name it in such a way that it's like but very we don't clearly have any control
1: over that guys. Like that's no not, control. that has nothing to do with us. Like that's just how it's set up on Apple. So I feel bad whenever I see people, they're like, Oh, it's just like confusing because the first thing they see is always subscription things. And they're like, they have to scroll like it's kind of hard for them to figure out where the regular content is that's like not subscription uh, so yeah so i wish they would um like maybe they will because this is kind of like a new thing so maybe they'll like redesign the way it looks on the app
0: but yeah, yeah so but that's not we our get fault it. i'm so sorry <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're like it's definitely not our fault but also i'm sorry not this time um, yeah it's not our fault this no time. we mess up plenty <laughs> not
1: this time all right guys well that's it for this week we will see you back next week same time same place new story